Welcome to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, where we celebrate the achievements of Caribbean people to inspire the next generation. I'm your host, Carlos Philip, and I'm back with a brand new series that is all about up-and-coming social media creators. In this series, you'll learn how our guests use their passion and expertise to build a name for themselves, a community of loyal fans, and in some cases, to secure major brand collaborations. Today, I'm speaking with Daniel Loveless. Daniel is the creator of What You Know, an insanely hilarious show that tests people's knowledge on a range of topics, from spelling to culture to politics. Since the launch, the show has gained more than 26 million views, making it the number one YouTube series from the Caribbean. So to say Danielle is killing it in this space would be an understatement. Welcome, Danielle. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for considering me for this opportunity to be featured on this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's just get some backstory. Started out in customer service. At some point, you pivoted to content. So what made you pivot to content space? While I was a, a customer service rep, I, I really enjoyed interacting with, with people when they would come in and helping customers like at a, at a sort of front desk or so. But I wasn't able to fully be myself and really um, represent what my vibrant personality was. So I think that's why I geared towards doing something where I could um, be more free and spontaneous rather than restricted in, in, in a, you know office space. And how did you come up with the premise for your show? Well, somebody actually told me that I had a very vibrant personality and that, that they thought that, that I could I could do my own TV series. So I was like, you know what, that's, a, that's actually a great idea. And because of the fact of me always questioning more about life and wanting to know more about life, I, I, I thought that doing a social experiment called What You Know would be a, amazing to kind of get out on the streets and see what people knew about life and, you know, culture and the country and the heritage, etc. At some point in your journey, you decided to do that full time. So where were you in that journey when you said, you know what, this is really what I want to do in life and I'm going to pursue this full time? I think, you know, within the first year of doing what, you know, when I, when I uh, you know, released the videos on social media and I was able to reach the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And I observed the, the impact that I could have on people. I think I was gravitated um, towards doing it full time because I believe that if I dedicated all my time to do this show, what you know, I could have a larger impact on people. And I really enjoyed seeing the smiles, you know, that I would bring on people's faces. And, you know, I finally found that job that I could present my personality in the realest way possible. I will say, you know, if I'm having a just one of those days where you just need someone to uplift you, I just jump and watch an old episode because, I, and, and I have to tell people, you cannot watch this thing with food in your mouth because you will spit it out. It is just so funny. Just your comedic timing is just on point. So how did you go about building the What You Know brand? When I did the social experiment, I didn't really have like, a Facebook page for it or anything like that. I just had my personal, you know, Facebook page, Daniel Loveless. And when I put it out there and it went viral, I think that when I saw the type of numbers that it did, I thought that it would be a cool idea to, you know, create some social media pages for it and make it something sort of official. So I ventured into creating a Facebook page, absolutely free. I named it What You Know. And um, I, I, I shared it. So instead of sharing the content to my personal page, I started putting it out on my um 
Facebook page now. I created a YouTube channel as well and started putting out content out there. And, you know, with the more content that I did, I just remember the numbers just growing really quickly. You know, when I just put it out, I by the next day it was 5,000 and 10,000. And then over the years, we managed to, you know, gain 500,000 followers. So that's why I went about actually making it something official rather than just a social experiment. Did you do the Facebook page and YouTube page at the same time, or did you start with one social channel? I started with one, actually. I started with Facebook. It's amazing how um, Facebook is actually my largest platform. That's where I think I have the deepest connection with my fans. My Facebook audience really grew with me. So, yeah, so it was Facebook, then YouTube, and then people reached out and, and said, you know, Instagram was this new thing that was popping and that I should put the short clips on Instagram. So I decided, you know what, let me create an Instagram. And I created a, an Instagram as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, having, you know, multiple channels, I'm sure, can get challenging to to manage, right? And so, to your point, wherever your bread is most buttered, you want to be there. But those incremental channels can help to pull in, of course, new audiences as well. So, I know that your show is produced by um, Steve Taylor, and he has done music videos for a number of soca artists in um, the Trini space, like Nyla and Kess and so forth. So, how did the two of you hook up? Good. So, well, I've, I've known Steve in a good number of years. Um, and when I started watching, you know, I would always reach out to him and, you know, ask for, you know, a little advice and stuff. It was about last year, I, I, I reached out to him and I brought Steven on board to uh, produce uh, a few. Uh, special episodes of what you know for the uh, pandemic period so you know, it was really awesome working with him you know during that period and i still reach out to him and you know get tips advice and we always you know connect very creative and very positive guy yeah you're doing this solo for the most part no well for the most part i have a structure where where i've created i've created what you know into um, a company where i i have different people that that do different things that allow me to be as creative as possible. So currently, I have a, I have a manager, I have a um, a photographer slash videographer, I have a, a girl who runs my social media. So everybody just operates in their different capacity to allow me to just be creative as possible. So my days are just like I just wake up and just be creative. I I haven't gone on Instagram more than two times for the day yet. If you check it out, it's just populated. So I think um, one of the biggest lessons that I've managed to learn is you know just honing in on what you like to do. Do what you like to do and, and get the, the necessarily the um, the necessary people to do, you know, the things, the tedious things that you probably may not enjoy, but they may enjoy doing. Yeah, because I know it's challenging to try to be jack of all trade, you end up being master of none. And it's important to, like you said, get people with the skill set that can help you advance versus you trying to be social media manager, producer, and content creator all in one. I know that you are doing this full time and a lot of people would, would ask, you have bills to pay, you probably have people to pay. So what avenues have you pursued to make the show financially viable? Right. So so many different avenues. Eh? Um, starting with the uh, watching on brand, um, we do advertising within the show. So, you know, you have this brand and I'm going to try to break it down into, you know, to term. You know, I have this show, I have a lot of numbers. Basically, companies pay me to say, you know, this episode is sponsored by X company. Check out this company to get your iPhone. And, you know, um, then I would ask a person to, to, to spell the word iPhone. So that's just one of the ways that we, we earn an income by using the viral content that we create to send attention to our clients and to send traction 
to our clients and to convert distraction into sales. That's one of the ways. Um, another way is through YouTube. So, you know, the more views that you get on YouTube, YouTube has an AdSense system that you could earn, you know, um, an income. So over the years, I've been earning a monthly income for the company via um, YouTube. Um, I've also worked on on building an extension of the watching you know, brand, which is the Daniel Loveless brand. Um, so we have managed to monetize that as well, where we do a lot of lifestyle collaborations. Um, people love my presence, so people would, would pay to have me appear at certain places, to host different things, to just be there. You know, some people just want to talk to me and, you know, kind of get some insights on what I do. So we charge a, an hourly rate just for people to, you know, talk and, you know, kind of engage with me. So that's some of the ways that we've managed to, to monetize our what you know, and also through our through brand deals, you know, so you have that attention, you have that mileage, brands want to associate themselves with you over a long-term period. So by endorsing different brands, you know, we are able to earn an income through that, like monthly retainers, and that's able to keep the company, um, you know, sustainable. Yeah, and so, I mean, you've really tapped into um, full streams of income for that young person um, trying to get into, you know, similar field and following in your footsteps. Give us a sense of how you build one financial avenue at a time. I actually started this, this entire journey by being a photographer. So when I left the customer service field and I, 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 ventured, I bought a camera and I ventured into photography, and what I started doing was I started shooting different events for free. I, I didn't know anything about photography, but I learned via YouTube. And I started shooting different events for free to build my portfolio. So that was the first step in actually, you know, trying to do something to earn an income. Very soon, when I was able to build my portfolio and build the skill a bit more, I, I wanted a vehicle. So I started to, to charge $300 TT to shoot at events. And I created a goal which was to save $18,000 to purchase a vehicle. And then as I put myself in that situation, I started to attract more and more um, events at a rate of $300. Very soon, I moved away from that and I started charging $700 and 1000 I was able to obtain bigger jobs and do bigger things. When I left photography I and I went into the what you know field and um, companies started to reach out, I started charging, um, I think it was like $500, thousand dollars just for a video for one video and that would have included the cash price as well and i put myself in that situation and i started earning an income there um very soon i increased the price i increased the value that we offered um and i say all of this to say that to the young person um listening out there who would, who would want to do something similar you got to respect something so you got to respect firstly the process you got to respect the process for what it is like you you're not just going to wake up one day and be a millionaire or have 500,000 subscribers, but you got to take it in steps. And also remember that according to the situation that you put yourself into, the universe will align and, and bring you the opportunities that, that, that align with where your mind is at. So when I was thinking on a, on a, on a free basis to shoot events for free, I attracted more free events for myself. And I started to charge $300. I attracted more $300 jobs. Um, when I started charging a thousand, I, I I I attracted more jobs that at that at that cost, and now you know ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, and I just keep going up the ladder. But it didn't start from me saying, "Well, oh, I want to make a hundred thousand tomorrow, or I want to make a million now." It started by me shooting events for free. So, to anybody who out there who may want to start something in terms of the financial aspect, like respect everything for what it is, take everything slowly, and you know, one brick at a time, and eventually have you know, a mansion. 
Yeah, and you bring up a good point in that you were self-taught as a photographer. And so by doing things for free, that gave you the opportunity to hone your skills. Yes, absolutely. So that makes a lot of sense. Naturally, when I look at you, I can tell that you are a, a, a comedian at heart. I mean, it's just a natural thing. But I'm sure you've also grown as a comedian um, doing the series. So how do you keep your materials fresh and interesting? How do I keep my material fresh and interesting? I think, you know, that's an amazing question that I've actually never been asked. So, you know, you put me on the spot here um, by, by a number of things, you know, trying to craft many ways. So I'm going to list some ways. So one of, the, one of the key ways that I keep it fresh is by continuously improving self. You know, because as long as I could become better and keep 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 healthy and you know keep the mind engaged, I can now provide people with with better content. That's one of the ways. Another one of the ways are you know by following trends on social media, seeing the type of content that people enjoy. You know, what song is trending? What is trending? You know, um, so that I could craft questions around that. So that's another one of the ways. And you know, just interacting with the audience and trying to figure out what do they want, what what can I provide to them. To meet, I mean, there's a demand for funny content, and then it's like, what do you provide? You know, so rather than ask somebody, you know, to finish a soca song that was back in 1998, I may ask somebody to finish a soca song that is, you know, in 2022. You know, so that's just an example of you know keeping up to the time. I know you just got back from Dubai. What was the motivation for that trip? Because I know you've done a lot of episodes across the Caribbean. I think your first international trip was Canada. And so what sent you to Dubai? I had now come back from tour. My previous tour before Dubai was actually Atlanta, New York, and Miami. And when I came back, the next big thing that was coming up was Miami Carnival. But I did Miami Carnival twice prior. And I, I always have this goal of doing it bigger and better the next time. You know, why do we want to stay on one level? You know, I just couldn't find myself to go Miami again. I wanted a new challenge. And I would wake up every day absolutely not knowing what I would do. I would just just be in bed all day, probably just go to the gym. And one morning I woke up and I, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just woke up, I came on my laptop, I typed in on Google Maps, like, you know, and I just literally dragged the, the map from Trinidad and I just looked at the map and I was like, oh, Dubai, that's where I'm going. And I just started from there doing my, my research into how to do something like that. And that was that. I booked the tickets the same day. And that was the, the beginning of the road to Dubai. And that's why I selected to go there. I just wanted to go somewhere that people would never expect what, you know, to visit. You know, I mean, Dubai. People would always say, go Dubai as a joke. But they would never think that I actually go. So I was like, yeah, let me give people what they don't expect. Expect the unexpected. Just tell us a little bit of uh, what your experience was like filming people, knowing that for some, there was that language barrier, right? To some extent. That was, um, that was really difficult because, you know, usually when I go to, to any country in the world, um, it would be easy, you know, you just question people English language, but what happened in Dubai was that like simple questions like, can you spell the word Dubai? People didn't understand. So there was this major language barrier that, that put me in a place that every day I would go out, I would need to go back home and try to figure out how do I rephrase the question? How do I get people to understand me a bit more? And um, yeah, so it was, it was a really, 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 really difficult trip. But I was happy that I was able to push through and, and get the type of content that I needed. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it still turned out very well, and I I saw that particular episode, so definitely had me chuckle in there. Um, so, in a, in addition to what you know, I know you've ventured out into other things. So you have a motivational podcast called Words Have Weight, and I thought that was a powerful name for it. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, uh, Words Have Weight basically, I gym every day, four a.m. in the morning. And, you know, I would always go out and gym and we'd always have a lot of motivational talks in the gym at mornings. And I was talking to Stephen a morning and I was like, Stephen, I want to I wanna do a, a podcast. Like, what, what should we call the podcast? And, you know, we just sat and we talked there and I was like, you know what, we should call it Words Have Weight. And, you know, from there and then, you know, I just started to literally on my phone, just record alongside my, my friend, uh, Jamel. And we would just talk and just say things and just try to get people to, you know, just do the work, get up, do the work, be consistent. And we just would talk on random, random things because I wanted to show people a, a different side of, of me. I actually got tired of just being known as the, the what you know guy and people didn't know my name. And that that bothered me really, really badly. Like, you know, like I didn't just want to be, I, like I didn't want my existence to be deduced to what you know. I, I love the brand. It's my baby. But at the same time, I wanted people to know who I am. So I, I did a lot of work. And, and Words Have Weight was, a, was a, a part of the work that I did um, to try to get people to know who I am. So much so that I could now say, I am Daniel Loveless. And people would be like, oh, yeah, Daniel Loveless. Oh, and I love what you know. So they understand that I just produce what you know, but I am Daniel Loveless. And that's just a product of me. Yeah, you're more than just a show. And, you know, a lot of um, famous people run into that when they're doing series that are repeated, right? People start calling them by that name. I know you also went back to get your business management degree. Do you feel that it has helped you in any way in your business journey? Were you able to pull anything from those learnings into watching your brand and other ventures that you've done? Usually I'll give them that whole, yeah, it helps someone, but absolutely not. Like, just being honest, I saw doing my degree as a complete waste of time um, because a lot of the things that I learned um, business-wise was from a lot of different business owners. They were able, like, school didn't teach me how to go register my business. It taught you about the different types of businesses, but it didn't teach you how to go register. Where do I go? What do I do? Um, I When I started what you know, I just registered. I mean, I just registered it as a, as a sole trader proprietorship. And, um, you know, I thought that, hey, wow, I'm a business owner. But then, you know, I started to ask people who went before me. like, And then I started to learn from them that, okay, you should register it as a limited liability company, separate the liability from yourself. Then I learned about the funds, you know, commingling, you know, in the account from what you know. So now... I am a, I am an employee of what you know. I am I'm the CEO, yeah, but I'm an employee, so I earn a salary from what you know. And there's there's what you know. So that's that has nothing to do with really me. I'm just a, an employee. And um, th these are things that I didn't I didn't learn in school. I had to like learn that from different business owners um, and different people who went before me. And you know, just a little piece of advice here is that never be afraid to ask questions. Uh, people to those who went before you like i i don't want to i want i don't want to lime on your jet i want to figure out how i can buy my own i don't you know so ask questions 
For sure. And at the end of the day, too, you don't want to make the same mistakes that other people make if you can avoid it, right? I mean, everything is trial and error. So I'm not saying that you're going to avoid, you know, all of the trials um, that comes with business ownership. But at the same time, if you have, you know, you surround yourself with the right people, you can definitely save yourself some time by getting those advice. We all know that the creator economy is booming i mean people are out there just making content in drove what do you believe are some of the myths about social media content creators that you would like to debunk you know sometimes the kind of lifestyle that you may see on social media may not always be the exact same thing that is reality you know so you know that's the first thing and you know it for for people who receive any content Two things. Don't allow the the um, representation of a social media personality life to impact how you want to live your life, you know. Not because I am driving this type of vehicle, it means that you need to drive this type of vehicle. Not because I am drinking this glass of champagne, it doesn't mean that you need to do it or or the or the lack of your ability to do it or you not doing it makes you less or inferior and then the other thing is that you know sometimes it takes nothing out of you as the consumer or, or, or the fans to leave a comment leave a double tap because sometimes you never really know the work that goes into it sometimes it looks fun it looks like wow fame and oh my gosh but sometimes it, they, they take it takes a lot of work especially for creators who are on their own and create their content on their own so you know show some love to them don't just think that because they have so many fans um they don't appreciate the love like you know because after a while as a as a as a social media influencer media personality you get so accustomed to the congratulations the this and that so if you have a heartfelt message that you want to share you share it because we are human beings as well and sometimes it could really connect with us and maybe try and maybe make our day. We make everybody's day every every day. But, you know, sending out one message can make our day. So don't feel like we have it all together. Those are really good points. And especially the first point that you make about the image, right? That people see and the perception and then the comparison. And I'll tell you a, a personal story. Um, when I graduated from university as well, I subscribed to Black Enterprise. And I would look at all these people just thriving and achieving and I'm comparing myself to them because they're in my age bracket. I literally had to stop my subscription and just kind of recalibrate and focus on me and what I want to do. And with, you know, social media, that's just so much of that. And bear in mind that, that the same thing that they achieve, you could achieve even more because, you know, it says on my phone right here, my cover picture, always remember that your focus determines your reality. So the more you focus on what you need to focus on, like, no, focus on other people, you know, that, that's their story, you know, and don't allow their, their story to impact, you know, you. So what advice would you give to someone considering a full-time career as a social media content creator? Because I'm sure a lot of people are seeing the success or perceived success that others are having, but, you know, if you had to impart on someone who's trying to get started, you know, what if, what are maybe like three big takeaways would you um, provide to them? First takeaway, I would, I, would, I would share advice from my current perspective because, you know, every year or every time, you know, you're always going through a different motion in life. And the emotion that I'm going through in life um, right now in terms of, of as a media personality, I have realized that where you focus 
is 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 really very important it's so important to protect your energy focus on what you can control and what you can control you would realize that that things will go so much better for you what are some of your upcoming projects you mentioned you had some projects on the horizon anything you can share with us going to be doing a Caribbean tour in 2022, providing there the are no new restrictions so I could connect with my Caribbean people. Thank you so much for your time. I think this was a valuable call and I know, you know, you're a busy man, so I had a hard time getting you, but persistent. So tell Alex, thanks for me. And I will, I will. Congratulations on your engagement. Thank you so much, so much. Excited, excited. <laughs> so Unstoppable Yes You Tribe, thanks for your continued support. If you found this episode informative, please, please share it. Show Danielle some love. Yeah, please. <laughs> if you are new to the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, to receive new episodes as they drop, subscribe to the UnstoppableYesYou.com newsletter or via Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And don't forget to check out UnstoppableYesYou.com for new profile articles every week about people of Caribbean heritage who are making their mark in their communities and around the globe.